Our gospel this morning comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of our Lord. Have you heard the phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? I think that phrase is a pretty good example of what we heard in our gospel text today. We have two groups, the Pharisees and the Herodians, who are very different politically, but both have something to gain by trapping Jesus. We hear about the Pharisees quite often. They're one of the Jewish sects of Jesus' time, and several parables have been directed at them during the last few weeks of our gospel lectionary texts. The Herodians, on the other hand, are another sect of the time who are well connected to the power of the Roman Empire, and specifically to King Herod. While the Pharisees hoped to slow the success of Jesus' movement among the people in order to maintain their own control over the understanding of God and the faith-based status quo of the time, the Herodians are more concerned with supporting the Roman Empire and helping it to maintain its control over the people, especially through taxes and other financial means. Both groups knew that bringing about this kingdom of God that Jesus spoke of was a threat to their worldly comfort. Understanding some of this background helps us understand just how complicated it would have been for Jesus to answer this seemingly simple question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? If Jesus says yes, it will imply that he is supporting Rome and thus supporting or validating the oppression of the Jewish people. This, of course, would be hugely concerning for his Jewish followers. On the other hand, if Jesus says no, it is not lawful to pay taxes, he is taking a revolutionary stance against Rome. And typically, people who take a revolutionary stance against Rome don't survive for long. So, the Pharisees and the Herodians are pretty proud of themselves. They think they have Jesus trapped. But as we know from this passage and others in our Gospels, 
Jesus is not easily trapped. Not only does he not fall for this, he also calls them out on their plan when he says, why are you putting me to the test? We can almost imagine a small eye roll or perhaps a dismissive head shake from Jesus as he asks for a coin. Caesar's head on that coin makes the message seem quite simple. But for us today, in the here and now, it really just creates more questions. How do we really know what is Caesar's and what is God's? Where and what are the Caesars in our own lives? When I think of Caesar, I think of worldly things. So what are those worldly things that have the potential to distract us from what we owe to God? For most of us, our day-to-day experiences of work, family, just living our lives can all be considered worldly. But assuming that all these things are only worldly and not also God's may let us off the hook a little too easily. We live in a complicated world, a world that is filled with deep sadness and brokenness, but also with profound joy and love. In this complicated world, the small everyday choices that we make create very real ripples that impact not only our own families and communities, but other communities and aspects of creation. Consider for a moment something as simple as a plastic straw. We know that plastic takes a very long time to break down, and thus spends a very long time in landfills when it's thrown away. We know that plastics and other wastes of this kind get into our water supply, impacting sea turtles and other wildlife. All of those pieces putting the delicate balance of creation in jeopardy. But how often do we go to Applebee's and receive one of those plastic straws? The environmental concerns of the simple plastic straw example is really just the beginning of the conversation. Straws, in many cases, make it possible, or at least easier, for individuals with differing abilities to drink beverages. If something as seemingly simple as a plastic straw can have such significant social and cultural ripples for our society, What kinds of waves might the big and complicated issues of life create for us? By assuming that all worldly things like plastic straws are fully separate from God, we do each other and all of creation a disservice. We risk falling into the trap of pretending that our lives, our actions, and our words here in this world do not directly impact our story in the world to come. We know as Lutherans that we are saved by grace through faith. Our salvation is not based on some sort of cosmic tally board of the good and the bad, but rather this gift of grace through faith that we have been given. We ought to be inspired to do good. We are called to do good. 
And I believe that part of doing good in our current complex world lies in being aware of how our small, everyday choices impact others and the world. One of the reasons that the Pharisees and Herodians united together to trap Jesus, despite their very different worldly agendas, was because the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke of was a threat to the status quo, was a threat to the comfortable reality of power in which the Pharisees and Herodians found themselves. How often are we tempted to take the easy way out? to choose to look away from the negative ways that our choices impact the communities and world around us? How often do we choose to be comfortable in that status quo instead of pushing ourselves into a space of discomfort? Over the last several Wednesday evenings, a group of us have gathered to have conversations about the God of justice. Last week, we discussed the ways that each of our individual identities overlap and interconnect, our gender, race, class, and all other aspects of what makes us, us, changes the way that we interpret our world and changes the way that we try to interpret and understand God. We were wrestling with how to connect and build relationships with those whose identities are so deeply different from our own, those whose experiences we cannot even begin to understand. And one of the participants said, well, it's about making ourselves uncomfortable. We went on to dig deeper into that thought and talked about what feeling uncomfortable might look like in our own context. We agreed that pushing ourselves to learn and to have difficult conversations about topics that make us feel that discomfort is in fact trying to do God's work in the world. As Christians, we're called to take an active role in God's plan for creation It's not enough to be saddened by the state of our world or to dismiss our actions in the world as meaningless. We have a responsibility, a calling, to respond to the brokenness and hurt that we see in the world around us. And it's through that active response and care for one another and for all of creation that we actively give to God what is God's. The beauty of our complex world is that there is overlap between worldly things and the things of God, and that overlap can work to our advantage. It's so easy, so tempting to get bogged down in worldly things, to be distracted by our to-do list, trying to balance work and grocery shopping and making dinner with sports practices, family and friend time, or even personal hobbies. But in the midst of our busy schedules, we can ask ourselves, are we giving to God what is God's? Where are we putting our time, our energy, our money? The world demands so much of us, and we give so much of our time and energy to those worldly aspects of our lives. Maybe we can find the space to give more to God or at the very least be more aware of when our time and energy is going to worldly things and when that time and energy is going to God. When we really start to pay attention to where we put our efforts, 
where our time, our energy, where our hearts are, we begin to see all the ways that giving that time and energy to God also impacts all of those worldly things. We, all of us, are called into ministry with God and with one another. Let us work together to answer that call. Amen.